It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by the stats and analytics expert, Mackenzie Rivers. You guys can find him on Twitter as well, at Mac and Rivers. And you can find us both on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, Mackenzie, here we go. NFL Week 2, Thursday Night Football. We have the New York Football Giants will be on the road here at the Washington football team. Current line on this game right now, Washington minus three, minus three and a half. And we have a total right now of 40 and a half. Last week, both of these teams came up short. Washington loses to the Chargers 20 to 16. Giants lose to the Denver Broncos 27 to 13. So Mackenzie, before we go ahead and jump into this week, let's go ahead and circle back to last week real quick. So what do you think about the Giants' performance in week one? A lot of people said Saquon Barkley was the rare, rare specimen that it's worth spending a top five pick on a running back. Well, he didn't really look like it last year when he was on the bench for everything but three games, and he sure hasn't looked like it so far this season. It's difficult in week one because if the Broncos end up being a contender and the Giants, you know, sticking in it for most of the game, really only getting blown out in the second half, it'll look better. But right now, with the Broncos being an expected 9-8 and eight team or so, 10-7 and seven team, the Giants just looked inept on offense. I mean, they came into the season ranked 32nd, their offensive line by PFF, 31st by Sharp Football. As RJ would say, we call that consensus. Not good. Not good. Their offensive line is not good. And if the Washington football team is known for one thing, it's their defensive line. So Daniel Jones... Only sacked twice, not pressured all that often against the Broncos' defensive line, so maybe that's a sign of improvement as far as the Giants' protection, pass protection goes. But that's the key matchup to look at, look at. and it, Giants did not look good in that department week one. So I want to circle back here to Daniel Jones in a minute, but what about Washington? I mean, obviously they lost Fitzpatrick. That wasn't a help. He goes down, and it seemed like, you know, Washington might end up in a, in a pretty bad spot, but Taylor Heineke comes in. I think he played rather well, but I think the sample size for us to go ahead and gather data from Washington, you know, is going to be re- pretty small. I mean, they only had like 49 plays in that entire game. They only had the ball for 23 minutes last week. So I'm not sure what to expect from them this week. But after I started digging around, I started to get a little bit of a clearer picture in my mind of what I think that they'll do. How did you feel about Washington last week? Is there anything that you can kind of, you know, point your finger at and say, you know, this is something that I think may or may not happen, or, you know, maybe this is just a, you know, kind of a good thing or a really bad thing for them? How much does Taylor Heineke downgrade the Washington football team? Depends who you ask. I was looking at Fezzik's QB ratings. He does three and a half point downgrade. If you look at the market, it goes five onto three in some spots, three and a half. So let's call that one and a half, two. Two points, it's really speculative. I mean, Taylor Heineke, I used this stat on Tom Brady last week that if you look at the last seven games, only Brady was significantly above 90 as far as his PFF grade goes. That actually wasn't true. I was not counting Tyler Heineke because I didn't really consider him a real quarterback. He actually had a 91 for the few games that he played down the stretch, including the playoff game. So he ended the season super hot. You often get that with a quarterback with no tape on him. Kind of hard. I mean, he's his fourth season, but he never really had a significant playing time till last year. Fitzpatrick was a top five QBR quarterback, or a top 10 anyway, QBR quarterback the last two years. He didn't really look like it on his new team with Washington, and Tyler Haneke sure didn't look like he was going to bring that kind of production 
So I'm not convinced that Taylor Heineke is that much of a downgrade from Fitzpatrick, but I'm not sure Fitzpatrick was going to bring the magic this year like he has the past couple. New team, new situation, new weapons. A lot has to go right. A lot has to come together. 16 points. It says, it says a lot. We didn't see it on Sunday. Huge question marks with the offense. One of the reasons we see this total plummeting opened at 43 and a half. I'm currently looking 40 and a half over under. What do you think about that? Yeah, I'm not a believer in the uh, the Fitzpatrick downgrade to, you know, Heineke. I actually think Heineke is uh, – my downgrade, McKenzie, was zero. I didn't make any – any... I don't blame you. I see that. I mean, if you just – if you – blind resume, you look at the past five games, each each that these guys have played, Heineke's been the better quarterback recently. And I think the big thing that, that – why I'm not going to downgrade him at all is because we know that – that Fitzpatrick's going to be out for a while. So there's nobody to go ahead and just, you know, step into Heineke's place. I mean, what were we hearing the last, you know, two days? Oh, are they going to call Cam Newton? It was like, look, dude, like Heineke came from, he didn't even come from college. He came from like some other league or something like that, came into the NFL, became a backup quarterback, and then eventually was playing in a playoff game. So that dude has to be good enough for, any professional football team to believe that he can go out there and do a pretty good job. And I felt like he did a pretty good job last year. And he was probably preparing to have a starting quarterback battle, I would imagine, this year. So I'm guessing he was really prepared. And I would say if out of Fitzpatrick and Heineke, who knows the playbook better, I would say maybe Heineke might actually know more of the playbook than Fitzpatrick does. That's just my own gut feeling. And I'm sure he has rapport with these guys. So I don't see how anybody could really downgrade them if it's just, you know, the name Fitzpatrick to the name Heineke. But I think with Heineke stepping in now, the fact that he knows he's going to be the quarterback for a prolonged period of time, I think that actually helps him mentally. I think that helps the team mentally, knowing that they're not in this, you know, day-to-day situation or, you know, Fitzpatrick might be back in, in two weeks or whatever the case might be. Here's my gut feeling, McKenzie. We don't see Fitzpatrick play for the rest of the year because why are you going to bring a guy in who more than likely is going to miss probably six to eight weeks and you're going to be right in the heart of the season. And if look, if Heineke has his team rolling, why are you going to bring in Fitzpatrick? I think a lot of things are lining up for Heineke to, to actually be half decent here. And look, it's the New York Giants. I mean, what did they do last week to go ahead and, and make you believe that Heineke can't go out there and have a, a pretty good game. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater went out and threw like 264 yards. Number one QBR in week one, Teddy Bridgewater. Right, and he lost his number one wide receiver in that game, and he threw for 264 yards and two touchdowns. So I I decided to go ahead and downgrade that Giants defense as a whole um, quite a bit, but especially that secondary, um, I downgraded, you know, quite quite a bit. Talking about the difference between Fitzpatrick and Heineke, I think – Shaquille O'Neal said it best when he said, 38, it's not 28, bro. 38, it's not 28. Fitzpatrick's 38 years old coming back from a hip injury. Sounds like he got a hip replacement, the geezer. Heineke's 28 years old. So if he shows even a spark, I think they got to stick with, with Heineke down the stretch. He only played two games last year, but put, put it in this context. On the offseason, he signed a $4.5 million one-year contract. That's like three times what Cam Newton got last year with the Patriots. That is a significant, we think this guy matters to our football team and our future. I mean, it's obviously Teddy Bridgewater only got like $10 million, so it's not a huge contract. But for a guy that you don't expect to play, it's, it's way too much money. They thought there was a significant chance that old man Fitzy 
might not be their starting quarterback down the line. That's why they paid their backup big money. Probably another reason why they paid him that much money is they figured there's a good chance he might actually win the job, be the starter, and they're going to end up with a starting quarterback, you know, with a pretty cheap price tag. So I I have faith in Heineke. I know a lot of people don't just because I think a lot of it's just name recognition. But and he went out there last week and he played, did the best he could in a, in a, in a pretty crummy situation. So uh, and, and I'm sure he wasn't prepared. You know, it was, you know, Fitzpatrick was going to start. Heineke wasn't. So he probably didn't expect to, you know, go in a week one, especially against a team you know, like the Chargers, who kind of had it rolling, you know, to a sense when Fitzpatrick came out of that game. Defensively, especially, uh, the Chargers were in were in prime position. They have Derwin James back. Joey Bosa just got his big contract, and the Washington offensive line is nothing special. So going to be a lot easier, in my opinion, against this week against the Giants than coming in with no prep against the Chargers. So shifting from Heineke over to Daniel Jones, I think he kind of gets a little bit of a, a little bit of a bum rap after last week. Go back to you know, you were just talking about Barkley. He didn't even run the ball last week. I mean, what was it, 26 yards on like 13 carries or something like that. But I don't see why they don't let him throw again this week because Washington didn't really show that they can go ahead and slow down Herbert um, a whole hell of a lot last week. And if the rushing attack for the Giants is going to be somewhat limited, you know, and right now on DraftKings, they don't even have props up right now for Saquon Barkley. So we don't really necessarily know if he's going to play. But if you go back to last week, Sterling Shepard had nine targets, seven catches, 113 yards. Slayton had 65 yards. Galladay had 64. Now Evan Ingram, the tight end, he wasn't in the game last week because he was like a – I want to say he wasn't a healthy scratch, but he got scratched. But as of right now, it looks like 50% he'll play from the reports that I read, but I necessarily wouldn't count on him. But look, McKenzie, if you don't have a rushing attack and they're talking about, you know, you, you have the worst offensive line going up against the you know best defensive line. Well, I think your only real option with that particular offense going into this game is to have Daniel Jones getting rid of the ball rather quickly. And I know if this is something that you can look up and you could pretty much find, I think we were talking, I think they talked about this on Sunday Night Football, McKenzie, on how fast Dalton was getting rid of the ball. And I believe that that's one of the reasons why he had a lot of success. But I'm curious where Daniel Jones fell into that stat category last week because if he was if he comes up as showing up as one of the quarterbacks who was releasing the ball the fastest, there's no doubt in my mind that the Giants aren't going to go into this game with that same game plan. Have Jones drop back, find those receivers, and get rid of it quick before that D line gets after him. And if that is the case, I wouldn't be surprised if we see the Giants run a hurry up offense because the last thing you want is that Washington defense getting set, rotating in and out, you know, healthy, you know, fresh defensive linemen. So I would expect a little bit of a faster tempo pace here from the Giants. I'm not sure what you think about that or if you're able to go ahead and find, you know, what Daniel Jones's release time was last week. My gut feeling says that it was pretty quick. Yeah, just pulling that up on PFF, looks like Daniel Jones, among all quarterbacks that played more than 50% of the snaps, 11th with only two and a half seconds per dropback. So, and it wasn't really much the case last year, so it's definitely concerted effort you know, above average release time, not quite Big Ben as far as getting rid of it immediately, but above average getting getting rid of the ball pretty quickly with that poor offensive line. That makes sense. And I'm thinking that they're probably going to do that again this week, McKenzie. And I do think that they will run uh, a little bit more of a faster tempo. I'm actually going to go back and look at that Giants game tape and see if that was the case, if there was a lot of no huddle, you know, rush back to the line because 
you know, with that with that running back situation right now with them, I can only see Daniel Jones throwing the ball a ton in this game. I actually really like a prop bet in this one. Uh, you will have to pay some juice on this. It's Daniel Jones to throw an interception at minus 150. You can find that on DraftKings. So why don't we switch over and talk a little bit about the Washington offense. I don't want to say last week McKenzie was bad. I mean, they were limited. They only had like eight or nine drives. Uh, didn't pick up a whole hell of a lot of yardage. Yeah, one critical fumble that dropped their win percentage. I drew this up for SOV from set over 70% to below 40%. That fourth quarter fumble, that killed everyone with a plus one ticket like myself. I think a lot of people might actually think that Heineke won't go out there and throw the football, but if you go through and you look at the amount of plays that he actually ran, uh, he was throwing the ball quite a bit, and I don't believe Washington – was in a particular situation where they really needed to go out and go out and throw the football. So I would expect Washington to come out here with Heineke and, and just to be throwing. I don't see why not. How could you not against the Giants secondary? So I see both teams throwing in this particular game. I, some people might disagree with that, but, but you know, that's kind of how I feel about it. And I think a lot of it had to do with Bridgewater last week. Just gave me a ton of hope that anybody can throw the ball against this Giants defense. Teddy Two Gloves, 22-3 and three against the spread on the road. He's not just anybody. That's why he's so good against the spread, because he's perennially known as this below-average quarterback that somehow through some magic fairy dust wins. Eventually, the results are the results. Somehow he gets it done. Don't The tape doesn't tell it. The stats don't really make any sense. But against the spread, Taylor, sorry, Teddy Bridgewater, one of a kind. What do you think about this prop I just pulled up? Taylor Heineke over under a little more than 18 and a half rushing yards. Now I have a thought on Daniel Jones rushing prop. We'll get in a second, but only had 17 last week. Let me pull up last year. Okay. And he went above that number in his two games last year. I don't really have an opinion on it, but Taylor Heineke just from the, from the jump, I wouldn't really think was a mobile quarterback. People said he's pretty much like Fitzpatrick light. Fitzpatrick's not running for 20 yards a game. Just an interesting problem. What do you think about that? Yeah, I don't dislike that one, McKenzie. I think the reason why I probably would be with you on that one is the fact that I believe Washington is going to end up running a whole hell of a lot more plays this week than they did last week. Like I said, they only ran 49 plays last week. Denver ran 66. Yeah, league average is about 60. Yeah, so I figure he's probably going to get an extra, you know, 20, 25 shakes, maybe 30. At, you know, running around and he's going to be out there the entire game. So he was limited. So you got, you know, you got the yardage that you got out of what playing just a little bit more than, than half the game. That's a pretty good prop that you're thinking about there. What about Daniel Jones? Cause he was the leading rusher last week. Is there a number on him as far as rushing yards is concerned? Yeah. It's at 20 and a half looking at DraftKings right now. And that's going to be my recommendation for this pod. I lean Heineke over. Don't have as much experience, but Daniel Jones, we got some real data here. 28 career games, 16 of them, he's gone to over 20 and a half. And I love the matchup. I love the idea that the Giants are going to have to throw because the run game is not there at all. Saquon Barkley doesn't even have a prop up because we don't really know if he's healthy or if he's a go. And they're going to have to drop back because of that, but I don't really see them holding up. I see Chase Young, all them boys. You know, like I said, number two defensive line in the business. They're going to give Daniel Jones fits, but I think he's up for it. I think he's going to find some playmaking opportunities like he did on Monday Night Football. 
And we don't have to worry. If he runs for 70 yards and falls on his face, that actually still cashes. So, yep, that's my recommendation. Daniel Jones over 20 and a half rush yards. Yeah, I don't hate that one either. I think I'll probably dive in on that and I'll send you the information when I find it if the Giants actually were up-tempo. Because if they are up-tempo, that defense isn't going to be able to get off the field. And you're going to end up with, you know, somewhat of a tired defense. There's going to be points in that game where, you know, the defense is getting through, but maybe they just don't have the legs to go ahead and catch up with them. And maybe he ends up getting lucky and, uh, you know, burning them a couple times for – and you only need one big run. That's the thing about QB rushing props. You could be watching the whole game frustrated – and then in the fourth quarter, two-minute drill, he gets pressured. He busts a 17-yard run, and you go over. Happened with Lamar Jackson in the fourth quarter against the Raiders. Hadn't really been rushing all that much compared to his averages, but when it was when it was clutch time and he has the ball in his hands and nobody's open, you know, you're not throwing it away in the fourth quarter. You're going to do everything you can. Daniel Jones might just be desperate to get this division win, considering really – He's either a couple good games from a $100 million contract or more likely, I think right now, Mitch Trubisky country being a backup somewhere. I think we should probably think about this too, McKenzie, as well, is that if Saquon's limited, that they're probably going to break out of the playbook, the scripted runs for Daniel Jones, which, you know, they're going to have a, a couple of days to go ahead and practice and get everything all, you know, lined up and figured out for that. We might even see some bootlegs or, you know, whatever the case might be on some uh, RPOs or whatever. Yeah, I don't, I don't dislike that at all. I, I think, I think both teams' uh, quarterbacks are going to be running here. I think both teams' quarterbacks are going to be passing here. Now, I think we should give our opinion on the side. I mean, we can't talk twenty minutes about a game and not give our opinion on the side as gambling people. I lean towards the Giants. I can't pull the trigger, maybe because I missed the best number at five, but. Bernie Fratto has been on this division dogs, and he was talking about week one. Heading into week one, how good they've done. I extended it, ran the query, and as Bernie told me, he said it was 56% ATS since like 2014. Actually, if you go back even further, since 2004, 57% ATS divisional dogs in September. Why? I don't know. Familiarity, uh, we don't really know how good these teams are. I mean, how much would it shock you if Giants made the playoffs and Washington was a bad team this year? Wouldn't shock me, you know, wide open division in my book and then there's this if you just look at the last seven years every single year if all you did was bet division dogs seven for seven you were profitable each and every year 62 percent ats this division dog trend in september eye-popping stuff yeah when i made my line mckenzie i actually made it minus four and a half because they're basically telling you on a neutral field that Washington is just barely better than New York. And I don't know how that that's the case with as bad as the Giants offensive line is, as bad as the Giants defense looked last week, and as bad as the Giants rushing attack might look coming into this week. I just don't know how, how they're just saying that they're just barely better. I hear you. I hear you. That's why if you were going to bet this number plus five made sense, I don't see how you get there with plus three. And we said it at the beginning of the pod. If you think Tyler Heineke is a three-point downgrade, then, yeah, maybe you can talk yourself into some Giants. But like I said, it's just a lean for me because I don't think Taylor Heineke is a significant downgrade from Ryan Fitzpatrick. Very small sample size with only a couple of games in his career. But I think he's maybe Gardner Minshew level. You know, a really decent quarterback. And Ricky, for the, for the one quarter I saw Ryan Fitzpatrick with a new team, 
I'm not sure that he was that guy anymore. I think what worries me about this particular game more than anything is the giant secondary. I actually screwed up, I think, and I had them ranked as like the 12th best secondary in the league. And after what I saw happen to them last week, uh, I made them a, a significant downgrade. I'll say this. I think Heineke's going to surprise a lot of people on Thursday night. They're going to be at home, and that's going to be you know a big game for them. But that's going to be a monster game you know, for him. And we see this all the time in the NBA. You know, when your key star goes down, those teams, they tend to rally. Hell yeah. Hewing theory. Bill Simmons stole this from someone in the 80s, and he'll, he'll tell you he stole it. He's not trying to hide anything. But the idea of, if you look at Georgetown, the New York Knicks, whenever Patrick Ewing went down, this huge global star, his teams played better. His teams got up and said, you know, we never really won with Patrick Ewing in the first place. We can probably kick some ass without him and, you know, prove some people wrong. I guarantee you the Washington football team did not go into this year thinking, yes, now we have Ryan Fitzpatrick. He'll take us to the promised land. Not at all. They thought Rivera, solid veteran coach, defense could be best in the NFL. Let's go dominate. None of that has changed. And I don't believe that the Washington football team is going to look at Heineke like he's just some bum. And he went out there and gave everything that he had last year. And he was still on the team again this year. And the fact that he's going to be right back in there, I think there might actually be more belief that Heineke can get them a win than Fitzpatrick. I mean, what did Fitzpatrick do in the time that he played last week until he went down? I want to say he did very, very little to actually move Washington up and down the field. They were, you know, rather blah. I mean, Heineke was the guy I felt that gave him the better chance to win. Fitzpatrick. 3.3 3.3 QBR, small sample size, but like I said, new team, you never know if he's going to bring that same magic, and it didn't look like it early. Maybe Tyler Heineke will. Like he, I mean, the most memorable moment of Washington football team season last year was Heineke weaving his way through the Buccaneers, diving for the pile on to make that, a, I think, a one-point game in the second half against the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers. So like you said, they're not going to look at Heineke as some sort of bum. They're going to look at him – as a guy that has an opportunity to lead this team to victories, or maybe lead isn't the right word, accompany this defense and this team to victories, he's already done so. He's already proven he's a PTPer, primetime player. The line I would take on this game, McKenzie, is actually Washington minus three. Probably you're going to end up having to get like minus 120 on that. But I think that, that that's the line that, that you want to go ahead and wager on. I have my line at four and a half. I didn't downgrade Heineke at all. And I don't believe on a neutral field that Washington is just slightly better. Um, I gave you my reasons why I don't believe that the Giants are going to, uh, you know, bring bring a real solid team in here. But I believe that they will bring a solid game plan, and that's Daniel Jones getting rid of the football and throwing it a lot. Like I said, he threw it 37 times last week. Go back, go back to like his first year in the league and look how much the Giants threw with him. He was throwing on average like 37 times a game. Now it went down last year. I don't know if that had something to do with Barkley not being there, but still he was throwing the ball 30 times a game. And if Herbert had the success that he had last week throwing as much as he did, I don't see why Daniel Jones doesn't come out here and just throw a ton in this particular game. So um, I feel like we talked a little bit around pretty much everything there, McKenzie. So it looks like, you know, we both kind of agree with the, the quarterback rushing props. That feels pretty good. I like the over in the game. I like Washington minus the three. Uh, you're going to have to pay like minus 120 for that. As far as any other props, 
I don't know. Is there any other prop or, or any other kind of derivative or anything that you're looking at, McKenzie, for that game? Because as we were talking, I thought maybe something would have popped up like uh, it normally does when we chit-chat. But really, there's nothing, no other real player that, that comes to mind. Scary Terry comes to mind when you mention how bad the Giants' secondary was. But at 69 and a half, I mean, that's that's more than his season average last year or right around there. Doesn't doesn't whet my appetite a little bit. But, hey, I think celebration is in order. You know, we've been doing this pod. This is our second week. We officially have a disagreement. I'm not betting it. I don't like it. But I do lean towards the Giants. You lean towards Washington. Obviously, if you like the Giants, you got to find somewhere to get your three and a half. If you like Washington, you pay a little extra juice. Minus 120, like you said. You got to get minus three. Talk about how big that number is. But I like that. A little disagreement. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll talk next week and one of us will be right. You're, you have higher conviction, but fun stuff. All right. Well, that'll wrap it up, guys. Uh, Mackenzie and I go through Thursday night football. As always, we'll be back Thursday night next week. We'll go ahead and we'll break down that game. Hopefully, you guys got uh, a little bit of information and some decent wagers. But as always, Mackenzie and I, we thank you guys. You guys know where to find us on Twitter. It's SleepyJ underscore pregame at Mac and Rivers. And you guys could always find us both on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck on your Thursday night. Enjoy the game.